Hello, my beautiful friends. My name is Bryn Wise, and you are listening to the Grace Mama Grace podcast. I am a mom who struggles with mom guilt, and I am working tirelessly to overcome it. It is my mission to help you remember that you are enough, exactly the way you are. You are the mother your children need, and you are perfect as a mother just because you love your kids. Let's do this. Hello, hello, my gorgeous friends. Okay, I am super stoked today because I brought on a guest who you're just going to die at her accent. You guys, I don't know if you're anything like me, but when other people have accents, I just like melt on the floor and I'm like, will you just speak to me all day long? Like, I don't even care what you say. Just keep talking. Okay. Oh my gosh, this beautiful lady. She is from the Netherlands, but she now lives in Canada and her name is Miraya. So, so, so dang pretty. Her clients call her M because that name can be kind of tricky for her people, but man alive. I am so excited for you to get to hear from her today. I found her on Instagram actually through uh, one of the high fitness instructors that I follow and, and am obsessed with, and they were mutual friends. And I found her and was like, okay, I want to be your friend. And one of her posts really, really caught my eye. And it was this concept of ditch the pad. Right. And it was all about, uh, you know, as mamas who have given birth, especially if you've given birth vaginally, your pelvic floor kind of is a wreck, right? And you find yourself peeing all over the place and it's kind of embarrassing. It's kind of awkward and all the things. And she used to be a high fitness instructor, but she has now switched and changed her her main focus. She's a personal trainer. She focuses on strength training and she's a women's coach. She loves to help women honor their bodies and find that way to tune into yourself and really lean into healing from the inside out and taking care of yourself. So without further ado, beautiful Miss Mariah, please introduce yourselves to us. Tell us all the things. Oh my gosh, that was like the best introduction. You had me like laughing, smiling, beaming. Thank you so much, Bryn. That's amazing. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love that we got to connect. And I wanted to give you some big kudos too, because after we connected about, you know, high fitness and uh, also common topic of leaking upon impact. So when you cough, or laugh, or sneeze, um, I noticed that you also posted something on your stories and it just made my heart like swell because you were opening up about, yeah, you just had a high fitness class and that it is no, no joke and no fun to peel over yourself mm -hmm. while you're in a moment having a good time. Um, so yes, I really give you big props for opening up this conversation because it's not really a conversation that is easy to talk about for a lot of women. That's one thing, the embarrassment and shame, but then also we think it's just normal right? Because it's so common that it's just normal. You're like, yeah, I had babies. That makes sense. Or yes, I'm getting older. Makes sense. I think this is what we all do, right? We just have to accept this and suck it up and wear all the pads and the underpants. And yeah. So I'm really appreciative for you to open up this conversation. That's kind of my mission to really not normalize it because it's not normal, but to validate that this experience for women is not fun. It can really limit you emotionally, socially, you know, in your relationships. It can show up in so many different ways. 
um, that I think it's important for us to start educating ourselves around this because that's, I think, just a missing key. I had three babies. They never really said anything more than, yeah, maybe it's good to start doing some Kegels or continue some Kegels, but there was no attention on this. And I think maybe because my babies are a little bit older, it might be different. It might shift. There's more attention to it right now, but still not to the fact of where I wish every woman that would be sent home from the hospital or in a prenatal class would just be educated. How can you recover your core and your pelvic floor? How can you set yourself up for success? Because yes, peeing your pants is no joke, but most likely it means it's a dysfunction in your core. So are you having more low back pain? Are your knees not feeling awesome? Do you just feel like you can't build your strength, your core, like your overall strength? it's going to show up in other forms up and down the chain, right? So it's, it's, it's an important foundational topic. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I love everything that you just said. And I also feel like it inhibits memory making even, right? Because yeah. like with my littles and there's like trampoline parks and we have a trampoline in our backyard and like just all those little types of things that so many of my friends I posted that I went to a trampoline park and they were like, how are you jumping right now? And I was like, mm -hmm. that, you know, they asked like, did you pee all over yourself? And I, I was like, actually, I mean, no, but, um, I, I do, <laughs> I do pee my pants a lot in exercise. Um, but I've built up, I mean, and I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot from you that I can even improve more, but I think because of some of the work that I have done on postnatal health and, and increasing my pelvic floor, I can go to those trampoline parks without wetting awesome. my pants, you know, but, but how many, how many mamas out there are like, no, sorry, cute kiddo. I won't and cannot jump on the trampoline with you because I'm going to pee all over myself. Right. And you yeah. want to, you have that desire to, you have the energy to, you just don't want to embarrass yourself. Yeah. Right. Or embarrass them if they're friends or, or whatever around. Right. And so I feel like even just those little things, they become big things because that's a memory that you're now missing out on for fear of incontinence. Right. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So true, Bryn. And it's true. Like if it starts to affect your daily life and again, there, we might brush it under the rug, right? Like, ah, oh, whatever, I'll just wear a pad. But if it now really is taking up emotional space as an, Ooh, wait a minute, can I do this? Or some women that really struggle with the frequency of it, right? Like they know everywhere they go, where is a bathroom? I need to make sure that I have a bathroom close by because that is on its own, right? That fear of, okay, I can't hold. And it's so uncomfortable and painful even. And you need to know where the nearest bathroom is or you can't just relax into the moment because you're like, oh no, I feel an urge come on, right? And what if I can't hold it? So yeah, it's really, it's, it's, it's more than, as you just said, it's more than just leaking. It, it involves a lot more other aspects, right? Of how you feel in your day and how you show up in your day. And the same with me when I was a high fitness instructor and I would, I loved the concept of high fitness because it got me out of my head and into my body. And I just, right, like you just, you just free. And, but then the moment I would feel the trickle, I would be like, oh yeah, right back into, right my head and right back into some self-consciousness. Like, okay, am I wearing the right pad? Am I wearing the right dark pants? Like, mm -hmm. so it just, yeah, it just, it really takes you out of the moment and it's not, it doesn't have to be like that. And that's just, I think we just normalized it so much that we think, yeah, it's just what it is. And we just laugh it off or we do like, yeah, me too. 
and we have find this awesome connection between women like yeah around this issue that how about we just connect over hey what can you do what are you doing mm-hmm. so on that note what can we do yeah <laughs> how Good can point. we improve <laughs> yes well i think a big part of it is we don't even know how to connect to our pelvic floor because a lot of women that have taken my courses they come we, we do some breathing exercises and we i give them different cues as in how to connect to their pelvic floor and that on its own is like the most amazing aha moments for them they're like I always thought I did a Kegel, but I never even knew how to actually connect to my pelvic floor. And that is just through actually doing the exercises. But how about just in your daily life? Like when you have a moment and you connect to your breath, do you know if you're having it on? Like, or can you actually release it just through breathing? Because that's ideal. The mus- it's a muscle that wants to go through range of motion. And my uh, pelvic floor issue came a lot from, yes, maybe babies, but you don't even have to have had babies in order to struggle because anxiety and stress actually play a big role in pelvic floor dysfunction because we hold fear and tension in that muscle. Maybe unknowingly, I never knew, but now I know that when I'm just stressed or tense or anxious and I turn into, tune into my body, I'm like, yep, it's, it's stuck, it's on. So can I just through breathing, can I let it go? Can I give it some range of motion? And that on its own has helped me turn around my symptoms so much. It needs, to, some people had just walk around with a stuck pelvic floor, some women, well, men maybe too, but speaking about women. Um, so that's on its own, learning how to connect to your pelvic floor through your breath. And I call that a core connection breath. And it takes practice, but it's the most amazing thing you can do to yourself because it literally changes your nervous system as well. It's connected to the vagus nerve, so you can get out of that fight-flight mode into the rest-digest state just by taking a couple of breaths like that. And as moms, you know, when we're busy and we're doing all the things, just taking a couple of minutes to just connect. And if you wanted me to explain a little bit like how yeah, that works yeah yeah I'm yeah if you don't to mind practice right now while I'm sitting here and I'm like oh. yeah I love it so a lot of people know that maybe this concept through as the diaphragmatic breath because our diaphragm our top of our pelvic floor so if you would envision in your mind I know that we're audio but if you would envision your core as a canister right like your diaphragm is the top your pelvic floor is the bottom and you have your TVA, your low abdominal muscle, the corset that's uh, horizontally wraps around is the front. And then your multifidus, multifidus is the back, your spinal extensors. So that is kind of the front, the back, the, the top, the front, at uh, the bottom. So when you take a deep breath in and your lungs expand, your diaphragm will lower. And guess what happens to all that air that gets pushed down? Like there's organs there all of that gets kind of decompressed. But if we don't let that pelvic floor lower as well, there's a ton of pressure that just ends up on that pelvic floor. It's so like an accordion, right? Like yes, pushing it. Yeah. exactly. I like how you say accordion because yeah, that's a good visual, but instead of an accordion, we want a piston. Mm-hmm. So we want that diaphragm to move in conjunction with that pelvic floor. Diaphragm lowers, pelvic floor lowers. That's on the inhale. And on the exhale, diaphragm moves up again and everything else recoils. So your pelvic floor that was kind of maybe having a little bit more of a release on that inhale, now on that exhale is slightly lifting up. It doesn't have to be like a Kegel, but just a little bit of a lift, a little bit of range of motion in there. And ideally when we breathe in, 
we don't want all this air to just go right into the belly. That's kind of the yoga breathing, right? Like expand everything into the belly. Ideally, if you would put a hand around your rib cage, like 360, you get that air really nicely into your rib cage, 360. Ideally, we get some air into the backside too, and that takes practice. But our thoracic spine needs some range of motion as well. It feels really good actually to breathe into your back because we, we can just be really stiff there. But why we wanna also breathe in our back is because our pelvic floor runs from our tailbone to our pubic bone and our back might just be stuck, even just our back. So if we learn how to breathe into our backside a little bit, also the backside of our pelvic floor will release. And just having that piece on can cause issues like prolapse and leaking. So just through that breath where you're like, I'm inhaling, I'm really getting that diaphragm nicely lower. So my, L's, my lungs are expanding and I'm keeping my chest nice and quiet, but I'm getting that air 360 down into my rib cage, down into my lower core and my pelvic floor lets go. And onto the exhale, I slightly connect to my pelvic floor again, just make it go up a little bit. And my, pelvic, my TVA kind of cinches back in and the rib cage just settles back back down that's kind of the idea so if you can just connect through your breath even just before you go to bed it's really nice and calming um just when you have a moment when you're like sitting maybe behind your computer or you're in traffic and you're like oh you're running late and you're sitting at a traffic light and just hey can i feel where that air goes it just gets you into your body connected to what's going on and really yeah see what's going on maybe you do walk around with a stuck pelvic floor i would not be surprised a lot of women do um, and to just get some range of motion in there can truly be how you can turn some of your symptoms around. It needs, it needs movement. Yeah. A muscle that's always on, like imagine walking around with like your bicep always on, that's not going to be strong. It needs to be able to release in order to gain that strength again. So that's one thing, breathing. Then alignment. Can I, can I pause yeah, you for yeah, just two seconds? Yeah, go. Uh, I was just thinking like when you were talking about, you know, just even at a traffic light or whatever, like I have an Apple watch, right. And I swear it can sense like my stress levels somehow or something. Cause I swear, like anytime I'm feeling that like panic mode, I get a notification <laughs> on my Apple watch that says like, take a moment to breathe. Even oh, just, even that. just like, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but it says like, even just one minute of, of deep breathing can help you feel so relaxed or something like that, that, and I like, sometimes I'm in the moment and I'm like, I don't have time to breathe. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but then sometimes I'm like, no, like I, I should, like, that's a really good idea. I should breathe. Right. Yeah. And I remember hearing this quote one time. That's like, if every person should meditate for at least an hour a day, unless you're really busy, then you should meditate for two hours a day. Right. And I like, I think it's that exact same concept that I feel like sometimes as moms and as women, like taking a moment to breathe and meditate and even like nap is not glamorous. It's not Mm -hmm. glorious. We don't get a gold star for that. Like, And when we tell people like, I took a moment to breathe, no one's going to like clap for you or pat you on the back. They're probably going to like, look at you like you're a crazy person or like, "Uh, uh, okay, like good, good job for breathing. Right. And so I feel like sometimes we don't allow ourselves to do those little self-care things because there's no trophy for it. There's no gold star for it. There's no applause for it. Right. But sometimes those things that 
there's no applause are the most beautiful and beneficial things you could ever do for your own health physically and mentally. Right. So love that. It's so true because yeah, if we, I think in this society too, well, it's the instant gratification. Like I need to actually physically see that I did something or show, have something to show for. Right. And then that external validation, like, I don't know how you transitioned into motherhood, but that lack of external validation of not being a working an employee anymore, that can be really hard on our self-worth. Right. So we, we, we might always want to grasp for, hey, but I at least want to have my Fitbit tell me that I burned 600 calories would be great or that I took all these steps. But yes, as you said, like when we just do something more quiet and more foundational, like connecting to our body. Yeah, it's not sexy. It's not glamorous. It's not, you don't work on, you know, physical aesthetic goals, but holy cow, is that worth, you know, spending some time on because it, 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 it makes such a difference in how we feel, how we show up, how we, how we relate to ourselves. I think tuning into our bodies as women, it's, uh, and especially as moms, it's, it's a foreign concept. We don't give ourselves the time to really feel what our bodies feel like. Right? Like if anything, we know what our bodies look like, hyper aware of what our bodies look like, right? If you talk about, I'm listening to a book right now, More Than a Body, and it's really eye-opening, but it's a lot about objectification and, um, you know, our, our bodies as women and our relationship with ourselves. But yes, we might look at ourselves um, a lot through other people's eyes even, right? Like how do I look right now to my husband to in this group exercise? how do people see me but do we know how we really feel to ourselves so yes these foundational moves like I used to always be really into all the high intensity exercise and and I really have been focusing on strength training because that's kind of my meditation because I I am out of my head I feel my breath I connect to my breath I feel I focus on which muscles I'm using and yeah that's not maybe you know the the crazy like yeah, raw. You know, it's I burned it's, a million calories. Yeah, but it's it's empowering, mm-hmm. and it's right. Like I'm, yeah. I think that connecting to our bodies and understanding our bodies. So yeah, part of pelvic floor health. It's also not sexy to sell. I I struggle with that because if I would have a program saying how to get the six pack uh, in six weeks or how to get the booty of your dreams in, you know, that would sell easily because that's just sex sells and aesthetic sell. Um, but talking about understanding how your body works and how you can set yourself up for success in life now and as an older age by really truly understanding your body mechanisms. No, that's, thank you. I pass on that one, right? Like it's, it's, it's a hard one to sell, but I think it's so important. Um, and yeah, the clients that do understand that they are like, no, actually I want to, after babies, I don't want to do all the crazy stuff again. I want to set myself up for success so that I can do all this stuff again safely and not hurt myself. And I can be independent in an older age by not having wrecked my body throughout, you know, all the stuff that I did without any attention to form or understanding how I could connect to my core to keep myself safe just in my daily life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of that, the foundations and tuning in. And, and form. Yeah. Yeah. And I, one thing I want to ask you, I, I got to be, so I'm a beach body coach by profession, yeah. right. And I, so many people like, 
oh no, like, I don't want to be a part of that because I don't want to be immersed in diet culture and whatever, like that type of thing. And I, I totally preach and teach the exact same concept of like, I totally get how it could be seen as like a diet culture, but I am a huge believer in, I don't, I really honestly don't care how I look. I care how I feel. I care if I can go up the stairs without being winded. I care if my knees hurt. I care if my lower back hurts. I care about my quality of sleep. I care, I care about if I can play soccer on the beach with my kids or not. And to me, that's not a number on the scale. That's not a pant size. That's not a whatever. Like that's just, that's just how I feel on the inside. Right. But it's exactly like you said, like that doesn't sell, <laughs> that doesn't sell, but I got to be a part of this postnatal test group with Beachbody and, um, and it was amazing. I, I had incredible results, both physically like in pounds lost, but also in confidence gained. And a lot of the things that I've actually like chatted about here on this podcast came from the trainer that I worked with there. But uh, in speaking with a lot of moms, I think sometimes there's this misconception of like, well, I don't have a baby. So it's like too late for me to like do that because I don't have a baby. Like my youngest is 10 or my youngest is tw- well, mm-hmm. 20, you know, whatever. Like, so I don't need a postnatal program because I don't have a three month old or whatever. So I wanted to get your thoughts and your feedback about that. Like you have a 13 year old, a 12 year old and a 10 year old. And it sounds to me like you're still working every single day on your 360 breathing and your pelvic floor and all the things. Do you feel like, okay, I'm good. Like I can stop now. Or is it just like it, just like all health and all wellness where you got to keep doing it every day, right? To choose all the benefits. Oh, I love this angle. And I love that Beachbody has that program, by the way. And I yeah, applaud you again there too, for being that voice in that world where, because I know that not everybody is like that, but for you to guide then the women that you coach on that journey and to steer them away uh, from that over-focus on aesthetics, it's huge. Good for you. Um, no, I, I, I think we are all postnatal. We're postnatal. If you're 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, you're postnatal. You had a baby at some point. Um, so it doesn't have to be three years post. So the lady that I celebrated in my studio is 65. She went through my pelvic floor program. She is not wearing a pad anymore on her hikes. She is leak-free. She used to wear a pad every day. And she's 65 and she finally started turning it around. Yes, she had two adult kids. Um, but no, it's not too late. And it all comes with... I think truly we can do all the core exercises in the world. If you don't actually know how to connect to your TVA, that low core, how to breathe for optimal function, how to align like your posture for optimal function, then it's, it's, yeah, you're doing some exercise. It might make you feel like you're doing something, but you might not actually strengthen that core the way it needs to be strengthened, or you might even do more harm than good because of the pressure, the internal pressure throughout those exercises. So for women to just learn at any stage but you're 70 and you never really paid attention to it, it's going to be so beneficial. Yes, ideally, once you had babies, you, you learn, you know, about how can you restore that core strength, that pelvic floor strength in a safe way. And slow is fast there, unfortunately, right? Like, unfortunately, it might be like, oh, but I feel good. So personal story, 
I turned my symptoms around only three years ago. So when my oldest was 10 um, and I was a huge runner, I ran my first half marathon less than three months post my third baby. I did not know about how to go about working out. I wasn't a trainer at the time. Um, post babies, I thought it felt good, right? I'm like, I'm good. Like I probably start running again two weeks. I'm not kidding you. Two weeks after delivering my third baby. And yes, running was my mental health. It was my self-care. So it was good for me to do that in that way. But just because I thought I could doesn't mean I should have done that at that time. I could have done things. It doesn't mean I was invalid or, right? Like I, I was not capable. I could have done things. I could have worked on some strength and, you know, some gentle strengthening first and then building it up. And yes, I could have totally run that half marathon at some point, but the way I went about it was not smart. And I probably did uh, a number on my core and my pelvic floor through that for sure. Um, and I think it felt good throughout the time, but did it really feel good to my body? I don't know. Anyway, I think it's a good question. Is it too late? No, it, it's not too late. Um, and I think we are, yeah, we are all postnatal. And if we didn't take care of those foundations earlier on post babies, then yeah, let's take care of it right now still, no matter how old your babies are. Mm -hmm. And I, I just want to put a little plug in there too, for all my fit friends out there. I like a personal story similar, but I was like, you know, I wanted to wait for my doctor's approval to like, yep, you can, you can work out now. And it's same thing for me, like mental health. I, I love exercise for my own mental health, right? Mm -hmm. Exercise gives you endorphins and endorphins make you happy <laughs> and happy people, you know, we'll just yeah. quote there. <laughs> so <clears throat> I, but I, so I got the approval and I immediately jumped in like, cause as a beach body coach, like there's so many program launches and I was like, okay, I'm going to do the next program launch. And yay. It's a like fighting, boxing, weightlifting program. Here we go. I'm like four weeks postpartum and I'm ready to rock. Right. Yeah. And, and I got like zero results. I'm not kidding. It was like a six weeks, maybe eight week. I can't quite remember off the top of my head program, but like nothing happened. But then after that was when I was invited to be in the postnatal test group and that it was totally exactly like what you're talking about. It was not glamorous moves at all. And it was like, maybe like if we're talking about like the Fitbit rewards and the like Apple watches or smart watches or whatever, but it was totally one of those, like maybe 100, maybe 200 calories burnt, like not much at all, but I got crazy results. And I, I really truly believe like even, and again, not, not that results and weight loss are everything, but I really believe there is so much power in, in being tuned into the needs of your body. And when you are, I know that I sometimes like look at exercises, like, okay, sweet. I just burned 600 calories doing high fitness. Now I can eat two slices of pizza and I don't even have to feel guilty about it because I earned it quote unquote. Right. Mm -hmm. But when instead we're focusing on that, like, no, I want to feel good. I want to have energy. I want to fuel myself well. Right. And sometimes when we lean into those, like, lower key stuff like yoga, strength training, meditation, breathing, pelvic floor exercises, those Pilates, right? Like those simple things. I feel like one, it helps our mind body connection to really just be in tune with like, how do I feel? 
And what do I want as far as fuel goes so that I continue to feel this good? And, and two, I feel like it also blesses just that, that reward system, if you will, at least speaking about my own personal experience, when I only quote unquote burn a hundred to 200 calories, I feel like I just make better food choices because I didn't like earn the crap, which is weird. It's that's a terrible mentality to have anyways. And I'm working on it. Right. But mm -hmm. like, I, you never earn the right to make yourself feel like crap. So mm -hmm. let's just always fill our fuel ourselves well. Right. But truly just giving yourself that permission to slow down. And we were doing these exercises that were just very boring looking, but somehow they were still so challenging and, but they didn't look very exciting <laughs> at all, yeah. you know? And I bet yeah. that's, I bet that's very similar to what you help your clients go through. I think it's awesome that you shared that because I think it's really, I think most women is really generalized and I don't know if there's any studies around this percentage wise, but I think most women struggle with that relationship with food and movement. Mm -hmm. I think it's sad, but I think it's really good to say like in one way or another, right? Where it's, it's a slight, not healthy relationship. Whereas we talk about like, we're over-focused on the number and yeah, did we do, did, if we, we are good, if we exercise, and we're bad if we don't, and we, we deserve, we earn our food. It's that whole moralizing of like good, good versus bad, right? If we label ourselves and our actions based on how much calorie we burns or right, how much we eat. And it's, it's, uh, it's a tricky, it's, it's like a, yeah, it's a tricky and a scary slope because it's, it's, if that is, that can feel so obsessive so fast. And if we talk about how do you want to feel, because I love how you say that I have a post brewing about that concept too. And I have like little um, canvases in my studio and it says goals beyond aesthetics and how do you want to feel and what's your why and self-worth and self-love and self-care because those are all my principles that being my base my training off. And it comes from me having a unhealthy relationship with food in the past. And that is the last thing I want to have my clients be another trigger with messaging or with, you know, how I talk about um, throughout class about what we're doing and how much we're burning and what we're sculpting right now. So I try to steer away from that at any cost. And I think even not knowing the numbers can be so freeing. When I used to go for a run, I would want to see how many Ks I ran. And now I just go for, how does it feel? Like hundred percent. Like, I don't know how many calories I burn with strength training. I don't know how many calories I eat. I don't know how many steps I walk in a day. I just go by, how do I feel? And that is, feels freaking scary when you let go of all those numbers. It feels like you're going rogue, right? Like, but I need that. I need some validation of what I'm doing. And it feels like you can't trust yourself enough to decide, but this is good enough for today. And once you start to build that trust as in I'm really tuning in and my body wants to go hard today. Awesome. Great. Depending on where you are in your cycle, you might not want to go hard that day, right? Like our hormones play such a big role too. Um, and yeah, to just be like, this was good enough for today. And I don't need anything to tell me if that was good enough because my body felt it was good enough. And I think it's, it's just, yeah, to let go of those numbers and not to not let that determine how worthy our workouts were or how great we did with our nutrition that day, but to just, as you said, fuel 
and go for how you want to feel, it's a really empowering process. And as scary as it feels in the beginning, it's like the best thing I could have done for myself. And I come from a, like an eating disorder past. And for me to shift all the way to the other side, it's like, ugh, it's, it's so amazing. Mm-hmm. It's so freeing. Yeah. And, yeah. One thing that I thought of when you were sharing that is on this, on this emotional eating and the roller coaster of self-worth and all the things I do want to just touch really quickly on Sometimes I do feel like there's a a message, especially in social media, that self-love and body positivity equals I eat whatever I want, whenever I want, and that's it. And that's all. And you can't tell me otherwise. And if I, Mm -hmm. if you're telling me to work out, then you're evil and wrong and you don't love your body. And if you're telling me to eat healthy, then you're evil and wrong and you don't love your body and I'm going to eat whatever I want. And I'm going (laughs) to do whatever I want. And there are no consequences. And this is self-love. And I, I just want to like, uh, this is probably going to be unpopular and maybe people are going to hate me now. And that's all right. I'm willing to have some haters in, in sharing this message. That is not self-love. That is not body positivity. That is eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. We die. (laughs) That is not, that is not true. That is not true. And there is a very real difference in, I look I literally remember being like two weeks postpartum and looking at myself in the mirror and being so proud of my body. And I still had, I mean, I gained 45 pounds in every pregnancy. I have all three of them. And I, I was two weeks postpartum. I'd lost maybe 10 pounds, seven of which were my daughter. And the other three were probably all the fluids and whatever. And I still had, you know, 35 pounds of extra love on my body. Right. But I remember looking at myself and literally thinking, girlfriend, you look so dang good. Are you kidding me right now? Like you just gave love it. third kid like three weeks ago. Right. But there was still this, I loved myself. I loved myself so hard. And because I loved myself, I wanted to eat good. I wanted to fuel myself well. I wanted to strengthen my core and my pelvis and exercise for my mental health. It was not a, I hate myself, so I'm going to starve myself and diet and work out and on, 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 right? Like there was Mm -hmm. never that. It was, it was a, because I love myself and because I love feeling healthy and energetic and because I love playing with my children and running around with them, I'm going to treat my body like I love it in the mirror when I see myself and with the choices I make in the kitchen and in the gym, right? And that, that is self-love not this whole, I love myself exactly how I am. So I'm just going to eat whatever the freak I want with no consequences. And I'm never going to lift a dumbbell because I love myself and I don't need to change. Right. Like Mm -hmm. there's a very, it's, it's, it's just a very, very fine line. Are you exercising and eating healthy because you hate yourself or are you exercising and eating healthy because you love yourself? Right. So I love that. And it's, I like your unpopular opinion because I struggle with that too. It's, I see it all the time and, and it's like, we have to put people in camps. So now the thin people are being bad bashed because apparently, 
you know, we need to not strive because I get it. It's like it's the overfocus in society is on thinness is beauty. But now it almost comes with like bashing off people that do work out or are thin mm-hmm. or uh, there's something messy going on there. I'm like, can we just not compare one group to the other? Can we just not elevate one above the other? Just love. And I agree with you. Self-love is not has nothing to do with your appearance. Like self-love has anything to do with how you talk to yourself and how you treat yourself. And that comes through action. It starts all with the thoughts, the beliefs, and that transfers into the actions you take on a daily basis. And I love, I love, love, love that. That's when you come to what's best for me, even though it's hard. Do I want to go for a workout today? No, but I know it's going to make me feel so much better. I know I need it. I know I've been feeling achy. It's best for me. You don't have to love everything you do. Do I, do I, would it be easier for me? to put a hot dog in my face right now and right like that's mm-hmm. yeah but am I gonna feel awesome tonight after that no okay so what right like it is not a the good versus bad thinking it's truly like what is best for me mm-hmm. what is and it doesn't have to be everything or nothing it doesn't have to be always clean eating it doesn't have to be always the workouts but it's truly just like yeah what does my body need most and can I just be okay with um also falling off the wagon and stuff right like where it's like I don't have to work out every week if I miss a week it's fine Mm -hmm. you know like I don't have to always have the best nutrition choices it's fine if that doesn't I think the judgment around our own choices and stuff like it can really that is more harmful than actually not doing everything according to what you deem is important for you Mm -hmm. but yeah no I love I love this conversation I think it's uh it's a really good one to have around all these topics. Yeah. Well, and I think just giving yourself grace for when you do fall off the wagon, cause you're imperfect. And so am I, and also just giving each other grace of like, just really, truly one of the things that I found myself, I remember reading a book or hearing someone that I love talk or whatever, that when you are looking at other people, the things that you are thinking about them and the judgments that you're making or the thoughts that you're thinking, that's how you speak to yourself. Yes. And, and just being, and I remember very, very vividly, like I was a dancer in college and I looked at people's body image. Why? Because I was looking at myself and feeling very insecure in myself. Right. And so I would look at people and, Ooh, that girl has cellulite. And somehow that made me better because I also have cellulite too, or whatever, like, Oh, I'm skinnier than her. Ha ha. I win whatever. Like, and Mm -hmm. it was, it was a very, very unhealthy relationship with myself and with other people. Right. Like I should not be looking at them and having that be my snap judgment. Right. And I find that as I've been more aware of it and consciously trying to work on it, I'll see like the most like voluptuous curvy girl and she's just like rocking her curves and she's wearing like something that's super flattering. It doesn't matter if she's 120 pounds or 210 pounds, you know, but just like, Ooh, that girl like knows who she is. She loves herself. And I like, I just feel so much like girlfriend. Yeah. Like I'm so dang proud of you. Right. For, for loving your body exactly as it is. And just like embracing you. And I, I find myself thinking that more towards like strangers. And then guess what? I find myself looking in the mirror and like thinking, Ooh, girl, like you got curves. Like you look good today, you know? And it's just been, it's, it's been a really cool journey to go on myself 
and recognizing those thoughts and just trying my best every day, every day to just like, you know what, that thought's not serving me. I'm going to switch it. <laughs> and as I continue to try to change those thoughts, as it, it's getting more natural. You know, I love that. Well, and it's the most important relationship we'll ever have, right? The one with ourselves. And it is completely a mirror, like how we relate to ourselves. It's yeah, the more we judge ourselves, the more we'll judge others. If we can't hold self-compassion for ourselves, we won't have grace and compassion for other people. It's it truly is, you know, when other people always when people always say, like, yeah, you have to love yourself first. Yeah, but it goes into so many other things. If you don't have the self-compassion, if you don't have the non-judgment, it will also not be able to trickle out to the rest of the world. So yeah, it always starts with us and how we relate to us. And I think that that's energetic level. That's where it's at, right? Like that confidence, but that, right? Like how, when you see that more curvious woman and you're like, she's rocking it. Yeah. Like energetically, that's what's beautiful, mm -hmm. right? Like I can see sometimes like the most beautiful women or men on the beach and they have like the sculpted bodies and the way they walk around, you can just know they are so in their head. They're so self-objectifying themselves, very aware of what their body looks like at every angle and how they can maintain the best angle. And it's like, oh, it just hurts my heart because I'm like, yeah, you might have the most beautiful body on earth, but how are you feeling in that body? Because that didn't equal your happiness, mm -hmm. right? Because you're so self-aware, so self-conscious in that most beautiful body that, that why is that's not the goal? That is not the goal. Mm -mm. Nope. Nope. And that's just it when I also see all these accounts that are talking about, you know, um, the more bigger bodies and how um, thin women might not have the same issues. Yes, we don't have the same issues because if I speak of coming more from a thinner body, I would never know what it is to be in a bigger body and to be shamed in society and to be limited in society based on your size. And I hold a lot of compassion for that. But on of universal humanness level in my body, I can still have all these self-limiting beliefs, not because I'm, I'm in, not in a bigger body, but I can still do all the self-harm, like physically, mentally, I can still hold all these um, unhealthy patterns and beliefs. It doesn't matter which body you're in. It's just a universal um, belief and feeling around not feeling good enough no matter the size. Mm -hmm. And I think that gets sometimes missed where we're like, okay, well, these people might be so, it's, they, they're happy just because they're in a thinner body. No, they're not. We can hold hatred in anybody. And it's right. Like, so can we just stop focusing on the bodies? Can we just stop focusing on how we all feel and how we can feel better and, you know, not categorize? I don't know. It's, mm -hmm. it's something that's been social media is bringing out a lot of that in me too, where I, it triggers a little bit for me sometimes where I'm like, there's such a camp going on division. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I think exactly what you're saying. Like I, I myself have been that person who I have a personal trainer. I work out six days a week for two to three hours every single day. And yet I still look in the mirror and see all the flaws. And then I've been the mom who's two weeks postpartum looking at my 35 plus pounds overweight, my norm, just thinking like, mm, girlfriend, you look so good. And like the period between those two, it really, really has come down to it's going to be all woo woo ish, but 
personal development, affirmations, and really truly just being aware of my thoughts and the way in which I speak to myself. And there were so many times this last week, I was in Florida uh, with a whole bunch of other beach body coaches. And there were so many times that like these women that I love and admire were just saying like not nice things about themselves. And like the, the most prominent example that I can think of right now is just this girl was like, oh my gosh, I am making the shizziest face. She, she swore. I, I don't like to swear, but she, she's like, I'm making the shizziest face right now. I look so terrible. And I was like, girlfriend, don't say that about yourself. You never would have said that about me. So don't mm-hmm. say that about you. And she was like, no, no, no. I would have told you that you had a, that you were making a weird face. And I was like, yeah, but you wouldn't have told me that I had a shizzy face. You would never say that. Maybe you would have said the latter part, like, girlfriend, you're making a weird face, change it. But like just being aware of the way we speak to and about ourselves, even to other people or in our own heads, right? And the second we can become aware of it and flip it and change it and just, you know what, I'm, I'm that thought is not serving me anymore. I, I don't want to speak to or about myself that way anymore. So I'm going to change it. And maybe we don't believe it at first. Like I, like I was saying previously, just the more we can repeat, you know what? I look awesome. You know what? I'm beautiful. I love my eyes. To, I love my hair today. Wow. This outfit is so cute. You know, whatever, just trying to find those kind things. I feel like that's the small progression that takes us from I'm at the beach insecure in every angle to I'm running around. I've got jiggle all around. And you know what? I love every second of all of that jiggle. Right. So mm-hmm. I love it so much. And I like that. I think it's powerful too, where we catch other women in our group do it, right? Like within this setting where I do small group training for women, we catch ourselves. Like I had a birthday, I celebrated another woman's birthday and I took cake out afterwards and nobody used the words, yeah, we deserve that. Or it's a good thing. We just worked hard. Right. Like we just know that we don't, we don't talk like that like we, because you, we, we will say like, no, actually, no, like let's stop that language. It's not healthy. Or when somebody says, yeah, I was so lazy today. It's another word that, that really bugs me. Like, no, can we shift? Like maybe you were feeling unmotivated. Maybe you're feeling really tired or overwhelmed. Lazy is such a label. Like all those labels we slap on ourselves, it can keep us stuck because guess what? Lazy is static. That means it's a personality trait and it might not change. No, maybe you just go through a time where you're high stress and you're having a hard time tapping into your motivation. Let's dive underneath the word lazy. There's right. Like, so you can actually move forward with it. And I think self-compassion is when you talk about all those yeah, it's like labeling your or catching your beliefs and turning it around and speaking kindly. I love that. And for me, self-compassion has been a game changer because I struggled with anxiety postpartum a lot. And um, it was like crippling and like not fun. And it wasn't until I found self-compassion. I didn't even know that was what it was. But at some point, I managed to dive into taking a step back from the judge within me because it was a lot of judging going on around my worth as a mother and capabilities and taking a step back and really objectively looking at what I was actually telling myself versus knee jerking to it with an anxiety spiral, right? Because sometimes we don't even realize what we're saying that jerks us into a downward spiral of shame or anxiety. And I, and I started to cry. I started to cry my eyes out because I'm like, holy cow, I had no idea 
that that is actually what I'm telling myself and that that is what's really going on. And the moment I could detach from it a little bit and give myself a ton of grace and compassion for it, that's when I, that's when it lost its grip. And now whenever I feel like I'm struggling with something and I might berate myself for it or be down on myself for it because I feel like sometimes we feel being really hard on ourselves is going to move us into change. Mm, no, it's not. It's actually going to do the opposite. We're going to stay stuck or we're going to go another direction, not forward. So when instead of, because maybe that was how we were talked to when we were young, right? Like, oh, come on, you can do better. Or so now that's how we talk to ourselves. But if we actually shed some self-compassion on it, like, okay, so I'm struggling, but why is this? Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Actually. Like that's pretty shitty that I'm going through this. So that's really hard. Or now we can actually shed some, some, um, we can actually listen to our own emotions, the hard emotions, the hard stuff that we might not want to face in that light of compassion. Now we can actually hear it. Now we can actually do something with it versus having to dumb it down or right, like to really repress it because it's too hard to even deal with. So for me, self-compassion has been a huge game changer and it's, it's like fitness. It's like anything. It's constant work. Um, but it's, it's a good one for me to fall back on when I, when I'm struggling with something, I'm like, let's just see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that is beautiful. And I feel like the overlying message here really is to be in tune to your body. And that's like on all sides, be in tune with the thoughts you're thinking, be in tune with the way you're feeling, be in tune with the exercises you need, be in tune with the healing you need, both physically and emotionally, right? Be in tune and not, don't judge yourself. You're not good or bad for one or the other. It's just what is. And just recognizing all of those parts of you that make you who you are today, right now, where you're at with your physical health, your emotional health, your mental health, your food, your, all the things, right. And just mm -hmm. really, truly center yourself, tune in without judgment, right. So that we can make progress and go forward from here. Ah, love it. Love it. I love this conversation so much. Okay. Well, before we wrap it up, my beautiful friend, is there anything else you wanted to share with us or leave with us? And I definitely tell us how we can find, how we can find you on social media so that all the amazing people who want to like get to know you better can follow you. Well, I'm on social media, mainly on Instagram, uh, live it fitness, YYC. I don't know if you have a show note, but we can throw it in there if that's easier. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just going to start up towards September because summer can get in the way kids, you know, going back to school, but some in the early time of September, I'm going to start up a round of um, the Ditch the Pad course, which I'm going to keep really nice and intimate because I don't want like a max of 10 women in there because I want it to be a group experience where we take five weeks to go through some materials, but yes, I can educate you on stuff. But if you don't want to implement it, that's most likely where things not where you don't book success, right? And if I speak about women quickly that have experienced like pelvic floor physiotherapists, which is an amazing occupation for women to go to if they have issues uh, with their pelvic floor. But what I noticed most likely is that they go there, they get some advice, and they are taught uh, to what to do, and they need to do all the exercises and then see them back in four weeks. That's where it gets hard. You don't do the work. 
So my course is really focused on, I want us to be an intimate. You can share, we can validate, we can talk. I'm going to teach and I'm going to talk to you about how to actually implement it. So it now becomes part of your lifestyle versus something that you hate to do because there's so many tweaks that you can do to your, to your life, daily life habits that can actually impact your pelvic floor versus just doing all the, all the Kegels. There's more to it than doing all the Kegels, which is a good thing because who wants to do all the Kegels all the time? I don't. Um, so yes, that's coming up early September. And yeah, no, I think this, this conversation is just awesome. And I'm all for it. All about, you know, the how do you want to feel? Meet yourself where you're at. Adjust what things need to look like. Take care of yourself. Full body, mind, spirit. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh, I loved it. Ah, I love having you. And seriously, I'm like, you could just talk to me all day long and you're beautiful. <laughs> oh, I love it. So I will funny. definitely, I will definitely be looking for that come September. And I'm sure like that you open it back up, that it's like a five week course and then you'll probably advertise like, okay, I'm doing it again or whatever. So it's yes. not just like a, if you're listening it's not to the, the right time. Yeah. Totally. And if you're listening to this later and it's like past September, like, you know, it's, it's follow her on social media and I'll put her Instagram in the show notes and yeah, just watch out for those courses. Cause I know I'm going to like jump on it come, come September. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to ditch the past. <laughs> like I'm ready to stop peeing myself at, at high fitness. So <laughs> I love, I love it. it. Oh, good. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on and all our amazing listeners. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Please more than anything, give yourself some grace in your motherhood, in your body image, in your self-love and your compassion in the way you treat yourself, the way you speak about yourself, the way you think about yourself, the way you fuel yourself and the way you take care of yourself. Okay. I love you, my friends, and I'll see you next week. All right, you guys, that's it. Thank you for sticking around. If this message spoke to you today, please feel free to share it with someone you love. It would mean the world to me if you would leave this podcast a quick review from wherever you're listening from so that other mamas can find it too. Be sure to find me on Instagram so that we can be friends in real life. You can find me at Bryn Wise. Thank you for making the choice to become a mom. Thank you for loving your kids. Remember that you are doing better than you think you are. Remember to lean on your village. Remember, the biggest contribution you make in this world might not be something you do, but someone you raise. And always remember to give yourself grace. Thank you.